Hello, this is episode 10.5 of Stick to Sports, and this is our first week with uh, two, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. We uh, don't get don't get used to it. Yeah, no, we we felt kind of bad because we didn't do a show last week, and we had a ton of stuff to talk about that we didn't get to. So we were gonna do a second show this week anyway. Uh, but then, like all hell broke loose in the sport of hockey, and so now we're not even gonna get to the stuff that we wanted to get to, and we're just gonna talk about hockey for like half an hour, if that's all right with you guys. And if it's not, uh, get off Twitter or whatever. I don't know. We're talking about hockey. Yeah, that's it. Th- that's all we're going to talk about. And maybe a listener question or two. I don't know yet. Uh, I'd, I thought this was going to be the the Blink-182 Alkaline Trio. Spectacular. Really really flesh out what, what I said last episode. Well, here, well, here's the thing. I know nothing about these bands, so <laughs> you you could do that. Uh, it would, But it would just be me going, mm, yes, in the background a lot. Yeah, it would be me talking to myself about the backing vocals and <laughs> right. whatever. And it, it couldn't even be Dinosaur Corner because, like, I couldn't feign ignorance of this band. I feigning ignorance? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> sure, I understand. Okay, so uh, the, the, the two big things in hockey that happened yesterday, the two biggest things, I guess you would say, is uh, P.K. Subban to Nashville for Shea Weber and Taylor Hall to New Jersey for Adam Larson for some reason. I don't know uh, which one you have the greater feelings on, but, uh, you know, I think we can tackle whichever one you prefer. I don't know what else to say about these other than they were... T- no, I, I do, but these these are terrible trades. These yeah, are two bad. These are two very bad trades. These are two very one-sided trades. And I think Elliot Friedman uh, sort of fleshed out... Ooh. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I think he sort of fleshed out a question that uh, that a lot of people had yesterday, which was why didn't they just trade P.K. Subban straight up for Taylor Hall, which would seem more sensible. And while his explanation isn't, you know, it's not satisfying on a, on a process level, um, it at least kind of makes sense. And it really boils down to the fact that the Oilers, you know, were scared away by Subban's price tag, which is, again, that's not... That's not a good reason, but, you know, it at least sort of flushes out, you know, something that seemed 100% senseless 24 hours ago. And well, now it just what, seems 95% senseless. Uh, you know, we, we talked to a, a few people at the at the draft about that kind of thing because that was, you know, the big rumor was that P.K. Subban could move at the draft. And uh, one of the French guys that we talked to, we just shared a cab with him. I didn't even get his name, actually. <laughs> uh, he... He basically said, like, you know, if they do, like, a Taylor Hall for Patrice, or Patrice, uh, for a P.K. Subban deal, who's playing defense for the Canadiens next year? And, and that was and that was the most obvious answer to me. Like, this is why they couldn't make the t- Taylor Hall trade happen, was because, you know, Montreal just, who was going to be their number one defenseman next year? Yeah, it's Andre it's Markov, t- like, you can't... <laughs> Yeah, he's 37 years old. Exactly. I, you know what? I, I was going to use a fake age and say that he was, you know, 64 or something, but... 37's old enough. 37, yeah, that's, 37's That's fairly convincing. That gets, um, the point, that gets the point across. I Like, all of these justifications, though, like whether you say Montreal needed a defenseman or... Oh, know, no, it's still yeah. stupid. It's still all incredibly bad. stupid. 
<laughs> like none of it makes any sense. You're, you're trading for an older, worse, like extremely marginally less expensive defender. I mean, is he less expensive? I mean, over the course by, of the contract. By like I mean, one, so yeah, the difference is um, Nashville's going to have to pay Subban more in four right. fewer years. Sure. I mean, Subban's cap hit is is nine, and Weber's is around eight. So it's yes. like seven point eight six or something like that. Like the the difference is so small that like you really can't justify even like well right. look at the price tag. And, and I, I'd argue I'd argue that the extra years make it completely. Yeah, even worse. It's oh, for so, sure. So off. For sure. Yeah, I, I mean, just the idea of, you know, you, you have P.K. Subban till he's 33 or you have Shea Weber till he's 40. I don't mm. like I don't know how you can justify ending up picking the latter of those options other than I mean, let, let's be honest here. It's the whole P.K. Subban doesn't play the white way thing. Right. Like. He he's an outsized personality. Bergevin was saying it yesterday. Like a- anything you could possibly say that wasn't like you, you know, basically he's not apologetic for his attitude, and we think his attitude kind of stems from his skin color. Like that's not not it, you know. So yeah, I mean it's it's uh. I think PK Subban continues to be treated. Uh, I, I I just it, it stems from the fact that people don't know how to deal with it, and it's because right. of it's because of, never of the nature like of him. hockey, and it's because of a lot of different things. And and it's crazy to me that I mean this is all it's all noise with him, and it and it doesn't affect the ultimate outcome. And if and it's just it's frustrating because. He's a guy that everybody should want, let alone let alone Montreal, where he's a god. Yeah, like where where, where he's where he was an icon already. Cause that, yeah, because that's the thing is like he, you know, you can say what you want about how his teammates or management or coaching felt about him, but the fans universally, like nobody in Montreal, had a bad word to say about PK. Subban. I wonder. I wonder if, if seeing the response to this, and I mean, I know we've seen the, the quote circulating from. Uh, from someone at the hospital that he donated all that money to, saying how sad the kids are, and yeah, because you know, he showed up unannounced are, and all that kind right, of stuff. All what are the we going to do? Yeah, that sort of stuff. I I wonder if they couldn't have realized that. I go. I we'll we'll see exactly how it plays out. Uh, I guess in the coming days and months and years, but I don't think they fully understood what the reaction to this would be. Yeah, I mean, you could, they, they couldn't they, have. Like, yeah, there, there's no way they could have. Because, because if they had, they just don't make this trade. But, yeah, it just doesn't make sense because you go, okay, well, from a hockey standpoint, this doesn't make sense. From a marketing the franchise, like, you know, P.K. Subban can sell a car or whatever, like, for the for the Canadians, like the official sponsor, you know, the official beer sponsor of the Canadians, or whatever, and then you go, okay, well, we're gonna have PK Subban do that. Now, who do you have do that? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, boring it's rare ass Shea Weber, boring ass Max Pacioretty, like yeah, it's rare that you get a trade that makes sense on no levels whatsoever <laughs> on on a on an on ice standpoint from an on from an off ice standpoint. 
it's just it's tough to it's tough to figure really it, i'm still i'm still shocked by it I'll, you know and, and look shea weber he's not he's not what he's certainly not what he was a few years ago and no. we'll see what ha- we'll see what happens in three years but i i do i feel bad for him because yeah, a little bit for be, sure because and and yes he makes a ton of money and and you know whatever that's a nice that's a nice security blanket to have but it's really tough to see this working out for him at all. Like this is this is going to turn in. This really has the potential to turn into a Scott Gomez situation where oh, a hundred percent. That was he's just he's yeah. just the avatar for uh, resentment over over the deal, and and you, and you have an aging player who you know has exhibited clear signs of decline over over the last two years, and 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 even beyond that, like. People were people are mad about what McDonough turned into, and and that took a couple years to percolate. But right, oh my god, like m- multiply that by a hundred, and, and and you've got the way people felt about Subban. Because here's the thing: Montreal last year, when they didn't make the playoffs, they didn't make the playoffs because they didn't have Carey Price, and for whatever reason, people were like focusing all their frustration about that on like, well, you know, Subban turns the puck over more than X, Y, and Z player. And it's like, well, that's true. But I mean, if you look at the list of defense, he has the puck with anybody. If you look at the list of people who lead the league in turnovers every year, Drew Doughty, Eric Carlson, Ryan Suter, like just guys who are on the ice all the time and have the puck all the time. I don't, I don't expect everybody to understand intricacies of like fourth wave stats in hockey yeah for like, sure oh, I, I that that's i it's just not a feasible thing to expect everybody to incorporate that into every bit of their analysis so but, but that's like, a preface that's, that's, that, fans, that's a preface though. i that's a preface to saying like what in god's name like how hard is it to understand that pk subin Turned the puck over because he has it all the time, and oh, by the way, the guys that turn the puck over regularly are also elite, elite defensemen. defensemen. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, though. Like, to be fair, I didn't see too many people defending this trade outside of like anonymous GM front office sources for like Craig Custance or uh, you know Pierre LeBrun or something, because all those people were like, oh yeah, you know. But even then, they had to be like, well, Montreal wins this in the short term, which they don't, but fair enough. And and Nashville wins it in right. the long term. No, I know. It, it, it seemed like it's a lot crazy. of people a lot of people on that end of things, you know, from the team executive standpoint, it came across as grasping for straws. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, he turns the puck over a lot and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they couldn't quite convince themselves that <laughs> that it was anything other than than a than a problem really from the start but like it just comes back to the way you know what what's tough to understand about the montreal canadians last year that the, the year before that they relied Very heavily on carry price and he was phenomenal and then the next year the same thing happened and they didn't have carry price like this isn't this isn't and, and i will say this the Canadians were better last year than they were the year, like, you know, in terms of process with possession numbers and all that kind of thing. Right, especially at the start of the season. Yeah, they were really, uh, they, they were a 
they were a decent possession team after spending two years being abysmal in that category. I don't. I just don't understand what's tough to understand. <laughs> and I'm going to keep saying understand over yeah. and over again. But they're they're a horrendous possession team that gives up a ton of shots on a good day for for the most part, and well, then they I mean, lost. They, again, they weren't last year. They were okay possession team. They were above water. But now they're taking a step back there, and who knows, like, what, you know, because when Subban was off the ice, the Canadians were bad at it. But he was so good that it didn't matter. Right. Um, it, and he, it was, weirdly, it's, it's, he had an off year, so. Yeah, yikes. and it's, and it's, it's Price as the great equalizer that turns them from being a mediocre team to a playoff team. Versus a, a bad goalie turning them from a mediocre team into a bad team, right? Because because they're so prone to to being on the wrong side of the puck, like it's not it's not rocket science. And the the desire to explain that away with you know its toughness, its culture, like I've I've seen that floating around yeah. too, and and it's just crazy to me. Like like I and and I I know that happens all the time, everywhere, where you know people cite the wrong stuff when they're trying to explain things but this is such a cut and dry obvious situation and it still seems like people are just not willing to understand yeah they don't get it and they and they don't and like you say they don't they don't want to get it because you know mark bergevin the only reason anybody thinks he's smart anymore is because he wears those glasses right like (laughs) other than that He's just made bad move after bad move. Uh, a perfect example, by the way, that helped to expedite the or expedite expedite is not a word. Uh, expedite the the Subban like hard feelings and trade in the first place is you, he looked at what Subban did as you know on his entry level contract and he said we're not willing to pay six and a half seven million dollars a year for this, right? And and then he won a Norris Trophy, and then he had him over the barrel. So, so right. he signed him. He signed him to a nine million dollar right. a year deal. And so, and so the the thing with these these kinds of trades or signings, right? These bridge contracts is that they're really only appropriate for guys where you're like, ah, he could be good, he could not be good, and I right. and we don't know. When you have right. a PK Subban, and it's like, oh yes, clearly by like year three in the league, he this is an elite level defender. Just give him whatever he wants. Like it doesn't help your immediate cap. Like it helps your immediate cap situation to get him at two and a half million dollars or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's exactly right. Like you know, the Canadians when he signed that deal, like the 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 bridge contract, weren't close to competing for a Stanley Cup. If they right. had, if they had moved in the right direction over the course of say a four or five year six and a half million dollar deal. Maybe they could have gotten to that point, but there was never a chance they were going to once they kind of shot themselves in the foot by going two two million for two years and then nine million for eight. Yeah, I, it's just all it's dumb. It, it's it, just it, dumb management from like front to back, and you wonder how much of the hard feelings are left over from that bridge contract where they, Subban held out and all that kind of thing. Yeah, they. I mean. If you're the player, maybe there should be. You there know? definitely it, should be. I don't. I wouldn't. Yeah, I I don't blame him for for uh, wringing every last drop of of cash that he could have yeah, when he yeah. had the opportunity. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, that's what a player should be doing at any at, point. At, I agree. Right, absolutely. Because these, and granted, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars a year, but like, P.K. Subban could break his leg in three places tomorrow. Right. Like, now he could get hit it, by a bus and then he never plays again. And he, you know, he granted, again, he has whatever, $30 million in earnings in his career to fall back on, but like, it's just about being pro labor. That's, yeah, of course. That's, it is. that's, that's, course that's it is. really as, it's as simple as that. You know, it's crazy to me. Profe- uh, well, to be fair, professional sports have done a really good job of making people. Oh, it's amazing. Real life should it, be pro labor all the time. And I mean, this gets into the broader question of like people voting against their own self interest in terms of like fiscal conservatism and things like that. But, you know, it, it's just this general idea that like. I think, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it. It's dumb. A lot of it boils down to, and you saw this story in the lockout where public opinion just turned to the owners pretty quickly. It, it comes down to the fact that it's easier for people to imagine themselves as professional sports owners and not professional athletes because they're not <laughs> – you can look definitively and say, uh, I can't do that. But, but, but everybody has the aspiration to one day be a billionaire in, in right. one way or another. So the end result is is you know people are okay robbing the millionaires to pay the billionaires and it's amazing to me that that no matter what walk of life we're talking about it's always the 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 richer people that get the benefit of the doubt from from a vast vast majority of, of the population and this, and this is why by the way we need to give uh, entrepreneurs college debt forgiveness and not the people who actually need it like the people who are most likely to pay off their college loans right they they need to get out from under that debt so they can create jobs and by jobs i mean like apps like tinder for dogs or whatever that would be kind of cool well sure i'd i'd get a dog if if there were tinder for dogs <laughs> tinder for dogs who who doesn't like that kind of thing dude did you see that i i tweeted a photo of this dog i saw in, in a coffee place like a, a couple of days ago i was ready to steal this little dude his name was bruce every once in a while you'll see a dog where you're just like I gotta have I'm that dog. It. Like, I need to hit this guy over the head with a brick and yeah. take this dog. I don't blame anybody. Like, it, it's weird, but like, I, you know, I look at a dog and I'm just like, oh, I need, I need <laughs> that dog. Sometimes I don't blame anybody for. Like, you see a guy that has a dog stolen in the news, and it's like somebody probably just came along and thought the dog was too cute to handle. Like, right. it's just this and... like primal urge that came over them. Right, and they'll be as good of as good an owner as you were, and don't don't worry about it. You don't have a dog anymore. Go get another one. Yeah, and this is why you shouldn't buy like those two thousand dollar like designer purebred dogs or whatever. Just go to the shelter. You'll pick out a cool dog that's like two years old, and you'll love it. That's what when I when I so I was at my I, I went to a bachelor party uh, a, a couple a couple months back and. We went golfing, and it was at this at this dumpy ass golf course in West Virginia, where there was I, I've never in my life seen a I, I'm not a big golfer at all as we as we've been over, but I've never I mean it, there was like a big a spray painted sign on the side of the on the side of the of the of like the caddy shack saying pesticide storage here I mean it was unbelievable it was great it was a great experience but we got to like the 12th hole. And there was a pit bull hanging out on the on the green, like it didn't have a collar on. It was just chilling, and and I was ready to take it. And I and I figured out later on that it was uh, that it was like 
you know, the, the course manager's dog or whatever. So the moral of the story is go golfing in West Virginia if you can, especially outside Wheeling, and uh, and always take dogs if if you come across them. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's a good a good bit of advice for our readers or listeners to follow, and uh, you know, hopefully they'll steal us some dogs. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be so nice? You can send them to the Stick to Sports uh, PO box, which will be. Up very soon. We'll, we'll be setting that up for sure. Once we incorporate and get like a lawyer and stuff. Um, the I guess the the other this thing... this segment has been brought to you by LegalZoom. <laughs> Stick to sports is not responsible for any stolen dogs. Um, <laughs> the other the other thing to obviously talk about here uh, in terms of dumb trades um, is Taylor Hall going to New Jersey for. An inexplicably low return. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask your opinion before we got going on this as to whether you thought Subban for Weber or Larson for Hall mm-hmm. was the worst deal for the team that, like, clearly initiated this trade. Uh, I would rather I would rather have Adam Larson at his price than Shea Weber at, at his price right now. Wow. Wow. Yeah, see, I think I think the, Adam Larson at at four million dollars or whatever he makes. Yeah, I I, I, I don't but, think he's as bad as everybody made him out to be yesterday. But no, he's just he's just a guy. He's like, like he's, a, he's like a middle pairing defenseman who's right. twenty three, and so the idea is he might become a top pairing defenseman. So like in a I don't vacuum, know that I buy that in a vacuum. If you're choosing, I I, I shouldn't say it that definitively. Like, it, but it, if there's an argument to be made, I think between Larson and Shea Weber, based on team circumstances and salary structure and what have you. But Taylor Hall, because of his contract and because of his age and because of everything that he does on the ice, was there a more valuable asset in hockey than him? That's a serious question. Like, like he's he makes six million dollars a year for the next four seasons, and he's maybe the second best wing in hockey. Like, what? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't rate him that highly. I think he's clearly a top four left wing and a top ten forward in the league, and maybe even a top twenty player. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's unbelievable, and in terms of like the value per dollars spent i mean you're talking about maybe tuka rask henrik lung like elite level goalies right and that's and, probably it in like superstars on entry-level contracts right. and, those, and, and, and like, like let's not count those because that's right I mean, that's what an entry-level but, contract but, but for, for guys for guys that are on their that are you know a few years into into their career and on their second or third contracts and signed for long term i mean what what can you say definitively is it was more valuable than than Taylor Hall, and that was all he got. Right. Yeah. I mean that. So I, I wrote about this for tomorrow, um, but it's this weird thing where like P- Peter Chiarelli has now traded the top two guys in the 2010 draft, right? And both times it was in pursuit of something that he thought his team needed. That, right, like maybe you're trading kind of did. Right, you're you're trading an unbelievably valuable asset for a need based uh, for a need based addition. And there's something to be said for filling holes, and there's something to be said for the value of right handed defensemen. And you know, Adam Larson is is a nice player, but 
God, that that's that's insane. <laughs> yeah, I no, I totally agree. I mean, you you look at it and you say, you know, because because here's the other thing is they freed up six million dollars and then immediately spent four point two or whatever Larson's cap hit is, right? And then they're going to use the remaining 1.8 to give Milan Lucic, let's say, 6.5 or 7 million. And again, this is a, a situation where, you know, Milan Lucic is a, is a perfectly good player, right? But he's not, he's not anywhere near as good as Taylor Hall, and he's several years older. Yeah, I... But again, he it, provides grit that and ta- like Taylor Hall. If Taylor Hall punched somebody every once in a while or speared somebody in the nuts, like we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, I. It's just it just uh, it bothers me. Whatever. No, no, I'm depressed. Yeah, it, it's it's a real bummer. Um, like, I thought you might cut out there. Huh. No, nope. Just uh. Yeah, trying trying to think about it because like again, it's it's a situation where, you know, it, let again, let's say Taylor Hall's a top 10 forward in the league. Where do you rank Adam Larson? Maybe in yeah, like the 80s? I, I mean, he had a good year. He was you know, he to be fair, he played with one of the more underrated defenders in the NHL. Like Andy Green is very good. Um and like Honestly, if he were five years younger, I would I would have said like, oh, that's the guy that the Oilers should have traded for. Yeah, I mean, I don't know it. I you put him sixty, seventy. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I it's it's really t- and again, the hope is and let's put it this way: this is Peter Chiarelli came out managing expectations immediately, where he was like, look, you know, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be good. Like, you say you feel bad for Shea Weber. Like, Shea Weber's actually, like, you know, a top-pairing defenseman still. I feel mm-hmm. really bad for Adam Larson because that kid's going to not do well. You know, like... Well, and, and even even beyond that, Shea Weber is, you know, for all his problems uh, in terms of shot suppression and all that, he's still, like, he makes splash plays. Like, he's got yeah. the big shot, and he's going to score power play goals, and he's going he's gonna to crush people, and... He's going to do very obvious stuff that makes fans happy, and and he's and he's a named player, so he has that going for him. Whereas Adam Larson, you know, even at his best, he's probably not going to be particularly noticeable, right? Right, and and that kind of describes every Oilers defenseman. Like, um, Darnell Nurse is maybe the the guy who like has the highest ceiling in that group, but like Andre Sakara and. Uh, Mark yeah. Fain and all these guys, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, you know, I, I said it in the thing that'll publish tomorrow, but basically, the whole apparently the Oilers' hope is that obviously Adam Larson and Darnell Nurse turn into top pairing guys, but in the meantime, they're just going to have like five number three, four defensemen, and yeah. they're and they're going to say. Yeah, sure. We're gonna get caved in like against top pairings. You know what they should have done? What 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 the Oilers should have done? Who kept Taylor is, Hall? Yeah, that. But also, um, there's a really good under the radar right-handed uh, defenseman that's gonna hit the market tomorrow. Uh, his name's Justin Schultz. 
and if they really wanted a right-handed puck mover, you know, I mean, I don't know, go go get him. Yeah, no, I mean, there are always going to be de- like you can. I'm not saying you can get an Adam Larson necessarily on on the free agent market, but you can get a guy who's like 80 percent of Adam Larson. I, I mean, like I, I'm I'm, jo- I'm joking about I like I'm kidding about Schultz to an extent, no, but course. like there's. Oh God! I want my kid to be a right-handed defenseman so bad. Like yeah, that's it, that's 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 one of the other takeaways here is like the premium that's being paid for 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 right side defensemen right in this league right now yeah. is just is just out of control. Yeah, because like Seth Jones, I I wish Seth Jones would have hit the market because he'd have made fourteen million dollars oh, a year. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean for sure, like. <sighs> There was a, there was a quote I think Craig Custance got it where he he where a GM guy called Adam Larson a unicorn, and it's like, I mean, if this is your definition of unicorn, like what what's yeah. what's it, like a high end guy? I, it's crazy, man. Like it's like is it is it a self fulfilling prophecy where you just I mean, with with right with right handed D? Like I don't even. I don't even know. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, we're we live in a world where Jason Jason Demers is going to make you know five and a half million dollars. Yeah, six million dollars next to, tomorrow, and he's a good player. But like, for God's he's sake, he's a middle pairing defenseman. Yeah, like, and that's fine. Like, you need middle pairing defensemen, but mm-hmm. not at that price, right? Yeah, I think the moral of the story is that we're much smarter than. At least two NHL general managers. Well, and, and I mean, it circles back to the, to a thing. Like I, I started saying jokingly, like anytime a GM made a bad decision, I would be like, "Oh yeah, this is just another bit of evidence that literally anybody who like has general manager and war on ice bookmarked can be an NHL like a serviceable NHL general manager." But now I'm starting to think like, I, you know, there, that's there's more truth to that than anybody would like. I think there's definitely certain cases where, and we saw two of them yesterday, where it's tough to imagine uh, a thoughtful, a thoughtful person pulling pulling the trigger like that. Yeah, yeah. like you, you just I, the other the other thing I, I mentioned, and and you heard it a little bit around the draft with uh, Jesse Pugliarvi because coincidentally he dropped to the Oilers, um, which is by the way another reason they thought they could get rid yeah, of Taylor I, Hall. I, that was n- not to get farther off base here but i had that thought yesterday too yeah like, no yeah. and, and I, I made jackets, that point before they made the, the trade jackets, yeah if the blue jackets take Pugliarvi at three then the trade Taylor probably Hall's, doesn't happen yeah it's probably still an oiler which is just insane yeah i made that point like in theory the idea of you even if you're going to do the thing where you still sign milan lucic to replace him Pugliarvi is like what you hope is basically another taylor hall the odds that he will be are not great because very few players are Taylor Hall. Yeah, um, it's the nature of drafting. Right. But, like, you hope he develops into something like Taylor Hall, and in the meantime, you have Milan Lucic providing grit and blah, blah, blah. And if you can flip Taylor Hall for a defenseman, you, maybe, yeah, maybe I, that's advisable. Like, I get, this I defenseman, get the thought though, process. not so much. Like, yeah, the, this particular defenseman, I don't, I don't see why right. that's, that's, that's a good sort of, idea. That's sort of what I'm getting at. Like, like I, I get the thought process behind it, but the execution of it just is, uh, is a head-scratcher. Yeah, and, and 
the, oh, the other thing I wanted to say was, you know, when you see a guy as often as as the Oilers did with Taylor Hall, they you know they've seen him for two hundred games or whatever, two hundred plus. I don't remember exactly how long he's been in the league, but it's been a while at this point. And you know, you look at it and you go, okay, well, on the one hand, right, like he has all the all these attributes that make him so great. Um, on the other hand, uh, you, you're looking at him lose all these games, right? And so now you're going, well, Taylor Hall doesn't do this thing that would help us not lose these games. And you start to focus in on that as opposed to the benefits that he provides you. Right. And, and it, it's, and, it's and the idea of over scouting. Right. And you don't focus on all the things that you lose sight of the fact that the things that he doesn't do are things that other people on your team should do that you've totally failed, you know, to build out. Right. Like, it's not his fault that this team hasn't had a serviceable defenseman and until last year didn't have a good goalie for his entire career. Right. It's really not Taylor Hall's fault. But like when he's the best player on the team for mm-hmm. 95% of the games he, where the Oilers some, have been he, awful, he gets the he gets blame some, for it. Yeah, he gets some stink on you. That's the way it goes. Yeah, and, and it's it's the same idea behind over-scouting where, you know, the reason Jesse Pugliarvi probably dropped was he's so good that everybody saw him 60 games last year or whatever it was between the Finnish League and World Junior and the World Championships that you're like, yeah, this kid's got a lot of holes in his game, even though he, you know, set set records in, in various tournaments and blah, blah, blah. There are holes in this kid's game that we just don't abide. And, and this Dubois kid really seems like he's better in the room and X, Y, and Z. And it's like, okay, I mean, if that's going to be your thought process, I guess that's fine. But, you know, when you're not succeeding and people are criticizing you for not succeeding and you're losing your job for not succeeding, you know... Maybe maybe that causes some kind of an inward reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, or not. Or not is the correct answer. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my feelings of the Taylor Hall trade. I think it's uh, the worst the worst trade I've seen in quite a long time. Yeah, um, wor- um, worse can, than Subban. Congratulations to Devils fans. Oh yeah, they got they got a phenomenal player. And congratulations to Corey Schneider, who now may not have the prime of his career wasted playing right. behind Pavel a team Zaka, that can't score goals. Who's going to get to play on a line with Taylor Hall yeah. and all these? Like the Devils are going to be in a much better position next year. I don't think they're going to be particularly good, but at least they're not the Oilers, right? Like, yeah. and then I guess the one last thing to talk about is Stephen Stamkos ruining everybody's fun for July first. Yeah, I. It's funny that. I, I'm still just reacting to, to that news coming out from a work standpoint and having it hit one, two, three like that. I didn't care about Sam Coast at all when it happened. I was like, oh, oh well. Yeah, you it were was just crazy. like, oh, cool. Okay, well, I have bigger things to worry about. And that was it. Yeah. Like, the price point is good for for uh, for Tampa. It's not great, it, you know, but it's as good as anybody was going to do. Yeah, and I think, and in, in with him too. And you, you, the longer it went, the more you felt like this was going to be the outcome. And it's because, you know, during the discussions and, d- and during you know the the process, they're never really. I mean, obviously, people want to 
point at the Leafs is is the most obvious landing point for him. But there never really was like a strong number two. There were there there were a group of a few teams, but there was never there wasn't that like slam dunk obvious situation for him. And then from a from a money standpoint, I know everyone's so tired about hearing about tax law. I I certainly am, but that's a factor. That's a huge factor. The the money, let's say, was a wash. So, you know, I don't know. He just wanted to hang out in, in Tampa and finish what he started. There's no no shame there. Yeah, on, and besides all that, like, he doesn't have to talk to Steve Simmons every day. This is like, this <laughs> yeah. is a coup. I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that, like, because you put yourself in, in those sort of positions. You know, you put yourself in, in another guy's shoes and... Like if I were Steve Stamkos, honestly, and I grew up in Ontario and I was a Leafs fan as a kid, uh, it, it would be tough. It, it would be tough to turn that down, even though even though it seems like it's a potential, you know, it's maybe a less ideal situation than Tampa. I, I would, I, I really feel like I would, I would want to go home and and do that. Right. Yeah. I, I I can I can certainly see the appeal, but. You know, given how far away the Leafs are, given that the money effectively yeah. is a wash, but you can keep your other team better by by staying in Tampa and and X, yeah. Y, and Z. Like, yeah, this is this is a move that like I totally get, and I would have totally got if he went to uh, Toronto as well. Any other team, Buffalo. Detroit, like no, I'm, I never mm-hmm. bought that for a second. But like those were the two, and honestly, I thought Toronto was like the front runner. But turns out they weren't, and I don't know. I feel like maybe I should have seen that coming a little more. But well, and now yeah. and now the the Lightning are capped. You know, not that not that Kucherov was going to get eight and a half million dollars, but you know, you, you save a million here and a, and a million there. You know that that's gonna matter. It adds in, up. Yeah. In, in, in two years, whenever whenever it's time to deal with, because uh, obviously Kucherov is, is an RFA this summer, but you know you're two years away from dealing with Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat, and you know you're gonna have to figure out what to do with Ben Bishop. And yeah, I mean you, know, you can't keep there's, Ben Bishop. There's gonna like, be, Ben Bishop. At least you have the option of like, okay, Andre Vasilevsky is really good. Well, right, but like, do you, I mean, I don't know. Do you do you try to pull the trigger on a trade with them now, and yes. then and then and then address the extensions, you know, right now, or or do you go? I mean, it's well, I I try to pull the trigger on a trade right now for sure, and then like, you know, then you have the cap money to play with, and even if you're just because even if you're just sitting there and you have say five and a half million dollars like in cap room. That gives yeah. you that gives you the option to buy at the deadline if you need to bolster your roster, and more to the point, like it doesn't hurt you. I think they're in, they're in a they're in the position where they don't need to get much back for Ben Bishop other than other than cap space. But I agree. you know, who who do they do a deal with that that makes stuff tougher? So I mean, but but bottom line is you know there's a lot of questions. There's gonna be a lot of roster turnover. You have Matt Carl and Jason Garrison that are gonna be off the books or or what have you uh, very soon. Well, and then, two, and then the other years. thing I mean, like there's is maybe you keep Bishop around and then leave him. Well, I don't, I guess you wouldn't be able to leave him exposed for the, uh, for the expansion draft. Would you? But yeah, because it, no, there's, be but you know, and, agent, and then so. there, and then there's the headman extension and the needs to get done. I mean, they, they have a lot of work to do, they but, do, but like, you but know, this, this at least, two this, years, this, yeah, yeah, this provides the framework for it. Absolutely. So, 
Um, I guess I guess we'll take one reader question le- or listener question left over from uh, from last week, and then we'll call it a day here. We're trying to keep this one relatively short. Um, and I thought this was a, a an intriguing one. Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Was I? I sorry. I don't, my I had an alarm set on my phone that was going off. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Well, what was a question. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you one of two to answer. <laughs> one of two to answer, and then this is it. Either Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish, or <sighs> which of us is more likely to try the new Cheeto Mac and Cheese catastrophe from Burger King? I there's like not many Burger Kings around here, so I'm not sure if I would go, I would really go out of my way to to try those. Mm. Uh, but you never know. I feel like you're probably a little bit more likely than me. Well, so the reason why because though, of that like, fact, I, I yeah, Burger King is the closest fast food place to me. Mm, by yeah, like it's, it's way much. far away. It's like uh, you know half a mile down the street from my house. See, I would do that. I would do that if, if that were true. But I'm also not going to drive 10 minutes to go to a Burger King to eat that. It, it, it's actually more than that. It's like 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, look, so I I'm get not, it. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I, so here's the thing. I drove through Burger King yesterday, and they had like the sign, like, try our new thing. And I thought about it, and I was like, ooh, I don't want to do that, though. <laughs> like, that I seems... Probably- that seems like on the outside edges of like gross for the like the sake of being gross food. Yeah, like the, I, I was which, I was wary I, of. I have, no pro- I have no problem with that, by the way. It's 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 a total convenience issue for me. Yeah. Like like if I go past a Burger King, and I'm in the right frame of mind, like I'm gonna end up trying them, but I'm also not gonna deliberately put myself in that position. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, like the Doritos Locos tacos from Taco Bell. I was like. I think these are probably going to be bad, and it took me a while to try them. Even no, though they're great. A, yeah, they are pretty good, to be honest with you. But I don't know. I I, I don't think they're better than regular Taco Bell tacos. Certainly, probably and, not. I, I don't. I, I haven't. I don't think I've gotten them since since I tried them. But yeah. I, I enjoy. Yeah. So I, I think the answer is by default me, but yeah. I. I'm going to say this. I wouldn't be shocked if you ate them first. No, I wouldn't either. Because I, I'm, I'm very wary of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, I, I, I'm not opposed to them. Like I said, it's just, it's just a, it's a convenience issue with Burger King. Yeah. And also to answer the, the other question, Sour Patch Kids for sure. All the way. Not even a I, uh, I, I don't, I don't buy candy like that. Like I'm more of a chocolate guy. So. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I'll get like a bee in my bonnet about having some. And in fact, <laughs> I had some Sour Patch Kids the other day for that exact reason. But I'm way more you of a... Because you had a bee in your bonnet. A mm-hmm. literal bee yep. in your literal bonnet. That's correct. I wear one all the time. <laughs> and there was a bee inside of it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a shaker is why. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, like I'm a, I'm a Reese's peanut butter yeah. M&M kind of a guy for sure. So I think that'll do it for this episode. 10.5, stick to sports in the books. Um, And never say we didn't give you anything because we didn't have to do this episode. Uh, Good. We can go back to not talking about hockey. Yeah, that's going to be very exciting. Next week, we're going to try to talk about both uh, the return of like match game and the $100,000 pyramid and the Ticketmaster free ticket rebate thing. Because we have thoughts. 
in my live report from the Billy Joel concert that I am attending tomorrow night. I didn't... Oh, man. Whoa. Oh, yeah, dude. Whoa. That's a big one. That is a very big one. Yeah, so I was pretty happy that, that all this stuff went down yesterday, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, cool. Stamco signed. I'm definitely good. I, I don't know if I'm gonna have to alter my plans to see where, you know, Michael Bodker ends up or whatever. Right. Uh, and the answer might be on the Downeaster Alexa. There you go. Remember that's a Billy Joel song. Okay, folks. That'll do it for us. Have a good weekend. We'll see you early next week, I guess. Mm-hmm. So long.